and welcome to a brand new episode of Live from the Pool House. We are live from the Pool House and from downtown. I am T.L. Foster. That is a very specific reference that will make sense in just a moment. But I am joined by Comic-Con own ah. Sonia. <laughs> How's it going? NBA reference. I don't know basketball. <laughs> It's going okay. How are you? It's going great. Um, we will talk about, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But um, we are joined uh, by one of my favorite people. Uh, he is one of the co-hosts of VJ Apocalypse, uh, or Video Game Apocalypse. VJ Apocalypse is redundant. Um, uh, he is also, he also does a lot of stuff on Leisure Time Network. Uh, he streams all the time at Maddie C. Allen. Uh, it's my good friend, Mr. Maddie C. Allen. Hello, hello. Papa's got a brand new bag, and that bag is full of Maddie C. Allens. I don't know. I don't have a good intro. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Matt, um, I, I guess I gave your bona fides. Was there anything else that I haven't said that you would like to let the people know that you do? Um, well, the only other one I can think of is I'm old, which means I, I watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in first run when as all the episodes came out. So um, that and my love of pop culture and all things Will Smith is, is the only thing that really qualifies me to be here right now. <laughs> um, I, 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 yeah, I, as I was watching the episode, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember that. <laughs> like, I remember seeing that. Like, so that, yeah, that that's about it, though. It's just, uh, you know. Um, well, I guess I guess the other thing here, too, is I used to... I don't think I've ever talked about this on Lazy Time Network. I used to play basketball a lot. Uh, oh. And the reason that's, that applies is this show, this episode, has a lot of basketball in it. But I used to be... Um, and I, For school. Like, I, I played basketball my whole life, starting... I think the first school team I was on, or park team, was like third grade. And then I went all the way through high school to the point where I had to choose between playing basketball or football because the football season ran over into the basketball season. So it was kind of like, well, technically you can do both, but you're not going to start because you're starting two or three months later when we've already been practicing. And I was right. just like, yeah. And then there's that thing they I didn't like it. They, they started thinking of me as the football player who played. And so they would send me in like a Bill Lane beer, like, hey, can you can you foul that guy or can you put a body on that guy? And I was just like, I'm not an enforcer like you know I'm, I'm here to play defense but i'm not here to mug people so uh but yeah i, I am a lifelong basketball fan uh viva los lakers i'm a lifelong laker fan um yeah which they're not featured in this episode even though it takes place in los angeles but we'll get to that and, and they talk about the lakers a lot on this show i don't know i i so basketball was the first sport i loved like it wasn't the first mm -hmm. sport i played the first sport i played was soccer uh, or football, uh, football, as the Europeans call football, it. Uh, uh, but no, I, I basketball is the first sport like I fell in love with. Um, I was born in '86, but I started watching around '90, '91. Mm. Which there's not, there's literally not a a better era to just get into basketball with. Like I think the ones like people who are a little bit older than me. So Matt, like people like your age, like Showtime Lakers. But yeah, you were even kind say. of young-ish for the Showtime Lakers. I was, I was youngest, but I, I followed them when they were when they were prime Showtime Lakers. When they were right. like three peating, that's when I. I mean, I remember though my my first memories of any sport I ever watched was basketball. It was Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm. James Worthy, like the Los Angeles Lakers. Like right. I 
cried when Magic had the press conference announcing he had HIV. Like, that's how much I love the Lakers and basketball. Like, that was, you know, that was like the first time, by the way, that I realized that celebrities weren't, like, immortal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> They're just like, regular people. <laughs> yeah, well, like, like, things can happen to them. Well, it wasn't that during the, like, for people who are younger, back when, like, in the early 90s, when, when AIDS, like, quote-unquote, first made its appearance, that was around the time where it was still considered a death sentence if you got it, right? When oh, he got I, Absolutely. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. I mean, I mean, that didn't change until I want to say the past couple of years. That's a that's right. a fairly recent development with the medications. But it's um, yeah. So back then, it it was very much like, oh wow, magic has it and could die in a matter of years. Yeah. Before South Park revealed the the real secret to not dying from it was just money the whole time. <laughs> <It was laughs> well, just, and then, like money. the 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 great thing about magic it was, I think what, how can you say a disease is good? But the good thing that came out of it was magic being magic. It was like, oh, well, this is a guy, a regular guy who has AIDS. And I think it humanized AIDS to a lot. Well, of HIV, people. not AIDS. Oh, yeah. HIV, oh, yeah. exactly. I'm sorry, but the, the, HIV, the HIV virus, like, it's, it, it humanized it to a lot of people because, like, oh, this is magic. And magic, there's a whole, like, I think we'll get a magic sighting and then we could go into it or we'll do it at the Patreon. Here's a whole thing about magic in the black community. Like, Magic Johnson means something a lot more to Americans, a lot more to black people. And I think him having HIV was a very mm. important thing. Uh, Actually, but- yeah, one, one of my bona fides I forgot to mention that we talk about magic. I think he particularly means something to the black community in Los Angeles because magic, um, I mean, I, I went to, to college in L.A. and lived in L.A. several years. Like a lot of people may not know, like magic has an entire like movie theater chain and stuff like he is a big businessman in the LA community and that's my other kind of bona fide is I'm I'm from LA uh, so I'm probably the first guest on this show that has actually ever spent significant time in Bel Air like where this <laughs> yeah, show yeah. supposedly <laughs> takes place so yeah uh, but the, but Magic is is all about uh, Los Angeles and is huge in the community there but sorry we're, this, is, this is not about Magic yeah. I don't know how we got <laughs> no, to no, we're just getting like so I, I grew up I love basketball uh, I grew up in the the heyday of the Jordan era um, yeah so I got to see a lot of basketball. It just it was a sport I just fell in love with. Just everything about basketball is great. Like, and there's another basketball episode. So we we will have another like another episode like in a, a season or two where we can I can really go into basketball. But that like it was something that I really really enjoyed. So it's always mm-hmm. I say it's always fun to me when I see people who have no reference to basketball and they see it because like I think that's also some of the writers like when people write basketball they don't understand like. Have the stuff that it will get through as the uh, as the episode goes through that will does in basketball. It's like no, that's a foul. Like all this stuff is like it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a literal violation. The other team would have the ball. Like they would actually would have hated Will because he would have been just like, what are you doing? I mean, forget the fact that they're probably playing on nine foot rims when I watch this episode again because <laughs> yeah. Will he's dunking like every single play and he's I think he's what six foot one maybe. Uh, six two, I think I looked it up. He's yeah, six, yeah, yeah. But it's it, it's a lot harder to dunk at six two than he would make it look. And I'm just like, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, it's a story uh, thing too, because like um, I'm writing a wrestling uh, feature film, and mm. some of the stuff that's realistic for wrestling is not fun to watch on screen. So, that's true. Like, yeah, sometimes like uh, the the purity of the sport has to so- be sacrificed for the enjoyment of the of the sport, I guess, or the enjoyment of the movie rather. So, well, here's so a question, Sonia. So, I mean, I grew up before there were like professional basketball teams in Canada mm-hmm. that were big. How how big is basketball? basketball in Canada like back then so 1990 when this aired and then like nowadays you know 
Well, nowadays it's a bigger thing just because of the Toronto Raptors. Um, yeah. That was like a the, the only, when when that when the Toronto Raptors had that huge thing last. Well, I think it was last year. Um, mm. Like people were going nuts. Like we were uh, in bars at Toronto and like we couldn't get a seat because everybody there was watching the game. And mm-hmm. back in like the nineties, the only exposure we really had to basketball was like the celebrity players. So like Magic and uh, Michael Jordan. Jordan and people like that, like the people yeah. who are in, um, okay, all right, sorry. And so, like, the only exposure I really had to uh, basketball was through Space Jam. And that was about oh it. Oh my like, gosh. So, it's so that's all you need. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the best movie. It's the realistic I, portrayal. Yeah, yeah, but then I fell into that propaganda of Michael Jordan's like story as the way he presents it. So it's it he kind of reminds me of like Wayne Gretzky if Wayne Gretzky were a black basketball player. <laughs> so I mean, it, he he technically is our Wayne Gretzky and I don't use yeah. it like the Wayne Gretzky story, I think, is a lot interesting just because of, like, the championships he won with the Habs. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a huge jock, and here's my jock <laughs> No, No, you know what's uh, funny, TL, is in America, we always used to describe Wayne Gretzky as hockey's Michael Jordan. So it's right. so funny to hear you you, you turn it around because <laughs> yeah. it's like, that. that's how we would be like, no, that's how huge this guy is. He It's it's like Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky. That, right. th- those are the names. But, know? I mean, because I said, you have Wayne winning those championships with you know, with the with the Canadians all those years and then coming to the States and literally having another career with the LA Kings. Yeah. And being just as good. Like yeah. it's it's a it's wild to me. And like I said, Jordan, that's kinda of what Jordan was. And I, I was even thinking like maybe there would have been because Steve Nash is the Canadian that we all know play basketball. <laughs> uh but Steve Nash didn't come into the league until I wanna say like 99, 98, it doesn't become a big thing until about 2001, 2002 with, yeah. with uh, the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. Well, I'd, uh, I'd say the biggest Canadian basketball player of all time is still Vince Carter, right? Like, that's the most well, popular player ever played, in Canada. Played in Canada, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> played in Canada, yeah. Right, 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 right. right, right Florida. Yeah. We're going to claim Vince Carter. I'm sure Canada claims Vince Carter at this point. Well, (laughs) well, they actually had a really bad breakup. Uh, There's a really good uh, YouTube video about it. It's called... um it's like it's called Beef. It's SV Nation. They do a series called Beef. And they Mm. talked about the breakup with Toronto and um and vince carter it's actually mm. very fascinating but mm. no i and vince carter a guy like you said who is most like known well outside of drake most known with <laughs> canada basketball um uh, who just recently retired having played in the league like since i was in middle school and he just recently retired yeah no he's, well, he's been playing forever well, it's kind of funny, though, in the 90s, um, even though Canadians knew nothing about basketball, we were all about the basketball, like, uh, the warm-up jackets and the Adidas, like, ty- like the we were all about the athletic wear. Sure, sure. And even though yeah, we yeah. never, like, I never watched a Bulls game, I had a Bulls jersey as a kid. And, yeah, like, it, it, like, it was a big part of our lives, but more as a culture rather than something we watched. That's a great point. I think a lot of when we talk about, like, urban culture and... And it's a like influence on on society. Like a lot of that athletic apparel and stuff, it's it's really basketball apparel. It's we're not talking like there's not like baseball styles out there that people are rocking, right? It's like basketball shorts, basketball jerseys, basketball shoes. It's all about the shoes, you know. The only the only thing that would be outside of basketball was like the NASCAR jackets. 
for uh-huh. a time. That's the only other thing that was like. You are betraying there. your Florida roots there. That is not a thing. Uh, the NASCAR I'd say jacket. west of the Mississippi. <laughs> no, the NASCAR jacket is absolutely worth a thing. No, 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 no. no. Are you talking on. about starter jackets? No, no starter jackets starter were from jackets. football. Not oh, okay. starter jackets. They were the big. If you ever look at like a like a early like a late nineties, early two thousands like hip hop video, you'll see the guys like with the with like the oh, Kyle Bush. I know what you mean. Yeah, or like the Dilma Hart, the jackets. Like yeah, NASCAR yeah, yeah, yeah. jackets were a big thing. I don't know, but it's the same thing. Like hockey jerseys were a big thing. It's the reason why a lot of the NBA teams went to like really weird NBA jerseys in the 90s because they yeah. were more reminiscent of what hockey jerseys would look like uh-huh. uh, because that became a big thing in urban culture. A lot yeah. of the colors and stuff like that. Well, actually, yeah. if you, you know, now that I think about it, like what, you know, Will's outfit, like the core outfit you think of him wearing in the first season of Fresh Prince, that's actually just the outfit that Wesley Snipes wore in White Men Can't Jump. It's totally yeah. basketball influence because he has the... It's what's well, the bicycle delivery hat with the brim up and stuff, but that's all. It, he's basically just copying Wesley's not style from that movie, you know, with the bike shorts and in the basketball jersey and that hat. Like that is so season one, Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. Well, can, before we start the episode, I want to bring up uh, my personal connection to pro basketball. So yeah. I don't know if you guys know this this story, but like a few years back, the the basketball player Chris Anderson was uh, accused of child pornography, like possession and stuff. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but he used to play for like his nickname was the Birdman, and he used to play for. Uh, let me see the Miami Heat, uh, Cavaliers, the uh, New Orleans New Orleans Hornets, I believe, back before they became the Pelicans. Yes. Yeah, Chris right. Anderson was a. I think also he also played for Denver Nuggets for Denver Nuggets for a while. Mm-hmm. He was a. He was a perennial, like one of the like a, a bench player who like was well known, a perennial role player. That's that's the word. Yeah. So he was accused of uh, possession of child pornography, and so he uh, like got like totally like torn apart in the press and all that stuff. But then they found out that um, his uh, the pornography he had in his possession was this Instagram model who was underage who said that she was in a relationship with uh, Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson had never met this girl except for like a consensual relationship they had when she was like 18, like a like a mm. meetup. And so they found out that they had never really spoken to each other because they were connecting through this person who was masquerading as both of them. And so, oh, uh, he got they got catfished. They got catfished, and so um, they started. uh, The cops started looking into who this person was, and they found out it was in a small ass town in northern Manitoba with no access to internet, and like with very little access to internet. And they're like, "Well, why is all this money going to this small ass town in the middle of fucking nowhere?" And they found out that it was my cousin, uh, Shelly, who uh, was a complete shut-in and a hermit who no one had seen since she was six years old, who was taking care of her mother and playing uh, Call of Duty all day. And so she was this massive catfish who um, had extorted a little bit of money out of both of these people and basically almost ruined Chris Anderson's life. And uh, she recently only got out of jail. I don't know if they're going to charge her in the States because they charged her here. Right. Um, and like it, um, it, tore, it tore my aunt apart, basically. And she was like, oh, my God. Like, Because uh, my aunt has rheumatoid really, really, really bad. There was mm. a documentary done about her uh, recently called The Indictment. 
segment of Shelley Chartier, but it's so funny because my mom, um, because I'm in media, my mom was like, son, um, do you think that uh, any of the news places in the States would buy, like, photos of Shelly? And I'm like, Mom, I'm not selling you blood photos. <laughs> Jeez. And so, but yeah, it was a big thing because, like, um, it ended up, like, so many people came to this, like, because uh, my, my reserve is small. Where Shelly mm. is from is even smaller. And uh. so, like, it was just bombarded and people were, like, freaking out. And, like, oh, man, it was um, it was amazing. That's yeah. wild. That's yeah. that's like the only thing I could think of that's relevant. It's one thing I've always wanted to do a podcast with Matt about was remember the Manti Teo incident, Matt? Uh, for a oh yeah, years when he got ago? catfished. Yeah, um, well, no, when he catfished. So there was a football player from Notre Dame, which is one of the worst schools ever. Don't ever remember Notre Dame. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, for, uh, thank you for preaching the, one, the truth. It's the one thing I will agree with USC if you will. Hate Notre Dame <laughs> with a passion. Uh, but there's a lot other, other than my love for Joe Montana, and I'm sure your love for Joe Montana. Absolutely, Notre Dame, my love for Joe. Can Notre yes. Dame can go away. Yeah, uh, but there was a there was a football player by the name of Monte Teo. Uh, it was Samoan dude uh, played uh, middle yep. linebacker. All all intents and purposes, a really good middle linebacker. Uh, yeah, and he was going to go play against Alabama. And this is a very important thing to me because I hate Alabama football. <laughs> I went to all I went to Auburn. I, I I can't stand. But I was rooting for Alabama because it's the little brother syndrome, right? Like I can hate my big brother, but you can't hate my big brother. That's how I, I always feel about sure. it. Sure. Sure, um, it's it's why I root when the Clippers play someone. I'll, I'll cheer yeah. for the Clippers, but I'm no Clipper fan. It's just right. they're from L.A. You know? Right, and then like I said, I, I can't stand Notre Dame. Uh, but Manti Teo had dedicated the game to his dead girlfriend, who was totally real and totally dead. Mm, totally until, made up. <laughs> until we found out that no, she was not. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then he also proceeded to get demolished by Alabama in that game. It's one of my favorite... <laughs> Experience and like it's it's funny to laugh about because it was a complete fabrication that you know he came up with and like you can laugh about it now, um, but it was what just was this, his reasoning. Thing. It was he wanted it for um, uh, locker room like like motivation material. What do you for call that? Like po- poster material, right? Where you yeah. paint like this is the shit they talked. about. I'm sorry. No, no, we, we, we've. Between Sarah and then having to edit that Chris okay. episode, you could curse on this podcast. Okay, so this is that, that in, a thing in sports is if another team talks trash about you, your coach might like put up their words in the locker room and be like, "This is what they're saying about Most you," or "This is your material. motivation." Coach is sick, you know. Play for coach, right? <laughs> and so his he had made up his motivation. <laughs> That's some Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan stuff right there, dude. I'm gonna make yeah. up a story. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's wild. Sports is wild. It's a wild thing, and it should not come back. Um, that's no why way. very very no open. as as my baseball team finally the Marlins are okay. We're two and one. Then I, I literally wake up, and my friend was like, "Man, it sucks that the Marlins all have COVID." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Who, who would have thought that a team in Florida, where clearly COVID is contained and is not a problem whatsoever, would come down with uh, with COVID? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, who on this podcast had COVID? Is it the guy who was in Florida? Yes, yes, yes. He is. Like, yes. Ugh, well, I fine. did have a scare, a COVID scare last week because my um, my bosses. Uh, a family member recently returned to daycare 
Uh, and came back with symptoms. And so the doctor was convinced it wasn't COVID, but he got tested. So I was on lockdown for about four or five days till they mm. confirmed it wasn't COVID. But yeah. man, that was scary. I was just in my room and like, it was like that scene in um, Old Boy where they lock him up for like 20 right. years or whatever it is. But oh my God, it was just terrible. But anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the day. Let's go back to 1990. Sonny, what the hell is this episode about? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, all right. So uh, 20 minutes into this episode, we finally get to Fresh Prince. Anyway, but, wouldn't have uh, <laughs> So uh, this episode is season one, episode 11, Courting Disaster, which first aired November 12th, 1990. It was directed by Jeff Melman and was written by Sandy Frank and Lisa Rosenthal. Sandy Frank was a writer for Late Show with David Letterman, and he also wrote for In Living Color, uh, Martin, and the Jamie Foxx f- show. And in this episode, you just pass it to Will. Yes, you do. Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, so yeah, this is our second Sandy Frank episode. Uh, so oh, yeah. I think the one with uh, with uh, Sarah. I don't know why I brain farted that. Please, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, yeah. So the last one. So yeah, the last episode was our first Sandy Frank. So this is our second one. Sandy Frank. Uh, yeah, and yeah. No, this one of my favorite episodes. It's one of the things I always quote, like when I'm playing sports or or talking about sports, or if I'm playing uh, NBA 2K and I have a LeBron James thing. It's like. I always tell people, like, oh, my strategy, I'm just going to pass the ball to Will. You can't double team, I'm just going to pass the ball to Will. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, this is definitely a vernacular for me. Oh, my God. Oops, excuse yeah. me. Sorry. Uh, so this episode begins with a shout-out to the show L.A. Law, which I never mm. saw because the second I saw, saw it turn on, I was like, oh, man, got to change the channel. This is Sonia. Put Sonia to sleep time. And uh, Jeffrey, I think it's Jeffrey, makes a resemble, uh, says that Uncle Phil looks similar to Harry Hamlin, who I only know because of the movie Clash of the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Phil does not look anything like Harry Hamlin. (laughs) Well, I think they're about the same height, uh, roughly. I don't know. (laughs) So the scene with Vivian and Phil dancing to James Brown reminds me again why I adore James Avery and Janet Hubert's chemistry. Yes. Yes. They, yeah, they just have like such a life and a uh, like a lovely and rich relationship that like it, it, you it, you they seem like they've been together forever. And I love my, my, that. Well, my favorite thing about that is Phil's rocking out by himself. To Papa's got a brand new bag. Hits my bad joke at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> and uh, Aunt Viv comes in and without missing a beat, jumps in and starts dancing with Uncle Phil like right away. Like not only. Do they 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 just they have chemistry as actors together to the point where it's just like yeah I'm in here and we're doing this and it's it's like what I would imagine like oh yeah like that's exactly how like and like the real Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv would be in real life they're just totally rocking out but uh, my favorite part of that scene is them after the DJ is talking about it they realize it's on an oldie station because they didn't realize <laughs> that at first and it's something that I wanted to point out so. This episode aired in 1990, which is 30 years ago. The song that they were rocking out to when this aired uh, was is Pop's Got a Brand New Bag by James Brown is a 1965 single. So that means that song was 25 years old when the episode aired. So it's one of those things that I hate to do it. You hate to see it, but it is more time has passed between when this episode aired and now then when that song came out and they aired the episode meaning all of you who saw that episode are old just like phil and viv <laughs> realized they are old well i mean Sonya, you just talked about space jam that that movie is just about 25 years old 
Yeah. But that's not it. Like that's an older movie. Like even with just Space Jam. Yeah. Well, I, um, we uh, TL and I are having beef on Twitter over uh, Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. Yes. And I just looked it up now. Uh, my favorite album by the Backstreet Boys, Millennium, was released May 18th, 1999. And that it puts it, it just had its 21st birthday and yeah. is able to drink in the States now. Damn mm. it, I feel old. Well, I mean, <laughs> I those, those are came out. those were a, like a new wave of boy bands because my the one that I grew up with the biggest one was New Kids on the Block, you know, and they so they were like late eighties, early nineties, and Sync and Backstreet were like late nineties, early two thousands, right? Yeah, I mean, so, if you want to go like the people who created New Kids on the Block, like their first one was New Edition, who will hear yeah, yeah. about some members, you know, in the show, um, and that was what eighty three, eighty four. Like uh, telephone man at their and peak, stuff like that. yeah, it's mid mid eighties, yeah, and yeah. then and then Belle Biv DeVoe split off, and they were like eighty six, eighty seven, yeah. I want to say when they got uh, no, Belle DeVoe would be eighty eight, eighty nine, because okay. in eighty seven is when Bobby left, because Bobby left before Belle Biv DeVoe, yeah, uh, when Bobby was doing like he was doing on my own and my prerogative, and all I mean boy bands have been I around was. forever, <laughs> like the Jacksons yes. are a boy band technically, yes. right, like yes. the Jackson yeah. Five, so it's yeah, yeah, they've, they've been yeah. a thing forever, but um, but yeah, the, I love your guys' little little fake feud about that because I'm like, who cares? One hundred percent real. Um, look, we're sorry that you were not born in the years 1985 or 1986. Like, I think if you're born between 84 and like. Uh, 93 you have very strong feelings about this stuff we don't listen yeah. to I, we don't listen to 93 people because they're like what about O-Town no one cares about O-Town no okay, one here's asks the, here's you to bring thing. O-Town into this here's the thing out of all those boy bands probably even New Edition included with Bobby Brown the one person who's had the most successful solo career Speaking is JT totally like- yeah. Just JT. He's bigger than all it. of those dudes together and all those bands. So. I still like I still hate Timberlake because like he has the career that Darren Hayes from Savage Garden should have had. He has the career that JC should have had. Because I'm like, I hate like we could go on about this. Like if we have a laser time episode about boy bands, I'm gonna go off on JT because he was yeah. the least talented. I love one. JT. He's I not love, the least talented one. What are you crazy? He is definitely he's he is not the he's one he's of the, the most talented in sync member, rel- period. I have I have been a JT fan. I have been a JT fan since the Mickey Mouse Club, the new <laughs> Mickey Mouse Club, which aired on Disney. So that's what that's how I saw who Christina Aguilera, who uh, yes. uh, Justin Timberlake, who yes. uh, Ryan Gosling, like who all the people were before they became these superstars. And I'm going to say this: Justin Timberlake is very talented. Uh, we will get to this one day. He, he, on <laughs> SNL, he's an actor. But can we talk real quick? The only thing you need to know about why you shouldn't like Backstreet Boys, uh, Nick Carter, period. Oh, or or yeah. Carter family. The entire Carter family just tears the entire Backstreet Boys thing down. Although... That song, Everybody, is the fucking Girl, jam yeah, and slaps song. and is amazing <laughs> and is one of my favorite endings to any movie. Remember remember that, <laughs> that end of the world movie? Where they movie? scream? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't say that you know, Bachelor Boy doesn't have jams. They, they ha- definitely have jams, but 
They are not equal to the <laughs> the, the talent. Is that song, that song? What is it? Technical Backstreets Back. Anybody? Everybody is, Backstreets is, Back. Is, yes. Yeah. Everybody parentheses Backstreets Back. There we go. <laughs> All but, right. Yeah. <laughs> but related to what Matt said, we are closer in age to Phil and Vivian than we are to the teenagers right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm just like I'm old. So. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of. I, I made some notes of the '90s references in this episode that made me feel old. If you'd like, I can go through them. Oh, please do. Uh, you have your prerequisite use of can't touch this during any sports scene in a TV show from the 90s. <laughs> because literally, past the ball to Will, you can't touch this. Um, there is an OG Game Boy sighting with Will playing his OG Game Boy, which I think you I saw you guys tweeting about, like, you want to do an article or something about Will playing video yeah, games in Fresh yeah, Prince, Yeah, I'm going right? to start, yeah, I'm going to start just, because there's so much stuff that comes up with him just... With games of that era, I'm just going to start documenting them because. Well, it, there, it, he, I think he does play an N64 and later, no, not an N64, a Super Nintendo later right. in okay. the, the series, and you see him playing. Uh, there's an NES in his room in certain scenes when he when you see his bedroom, and I love that Game Boy. I had it. It was the size of a brick. I love those ones. Oh. So other '90s things. There's a there's a Pete Rose joke, which is the very big in the '90s. After, but not as Pete Rose the player. As Pete Rose the the manager. The disgraced manager from gambling mm-hmm. on his own team. Uh, I would actually say Isaiah, who is in this episode, Isaiah Thomas, not that Isaiah Thomas, the original Isaiah Thomas for basketball fans. Uh, he's more 80s than 90s, but I guess it counts. Um, and then cross colors as far as the eye can see in this episode. <laughs> yes, but I, I think we should bring it back. We should bring back cross colors. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, uh, but let's see. So, Jazz and Will um, are looking for a place to play ball. So uh-huh. they go to uh, Beller Academy, and Jazz and Will make a really good impression on the coach, and are asked to be on the team despite the fact that Jazz is one over eighteen and two not a student. <laughs> so, right, doesn't even go here. <laughs> and then the guy's like, "Oh, that's fine." <laughs> I'm willing to overlook it if you are. Like, cause is that yeah. a thing? Like, I, I like, cause you guys, like, I know it's a thing in hockey here, but I imagine like schools would court uh, players from other from other. It's technically illegal yeah. here, but it happens. It's sort of, it's, a it's thing. sort of, a, so it's sort of a thing, and it's not. So the big thing uh, that we have here in basketball, and I think it's really primarily with basketball, are AAU camps. Um, and what AAU is, um, in the States, we have a number of different football leagues or football sports leagues that are like Pop Warner, uh, is the most famous. That's our, our little kids football league. Yep. Uh, but you have like, you have the, uh, the, uh, little league world, uh, little league series, uh, which is a nationalized thing in AAU, which is kind of the basketball equivalent, um, mm-hmm. where in Canada, you have your traveling schools for hockey. Yeah. Um, for the most part, like players will take the summer and they'll do basketball camps with AAU. Um, it's, it's a thing that really became big in the late '90s, early 2000s. It's the reason why a lot of people who like they lament that basketball players don't hate each other anymore. It's because a lot of basketball players yeah. have grown up playing yeah. with each other. And, in and their club teams, we should point out, they're not usually affiliated with their schools. It's like you pay you pay to do these summer things and it's extra and mm-hmm. a lot of the time they will need like help, like like right. like kind of like scholarships to pay for their way in these things. But so these are basically it's it's almost a little gross if you think about it, but these are basically like young kids who are identified from a young age, like that guy's going to be a star athlete, so we are going to cater to and pamper him and like pay for him to go places and stuff, which, hey, for many young athletes, that's like a dream, right? But it's also at the same time feels very 
exploitative. Exploitative, yeah. And and actually in this scene, like so so you're asking like the thing that happens in this scene is there's there's a booster who goes to visit the school and of course like the principal's trying to get as much money as possible because it it's a private school obviously Bel Air Academy, um and so he's he's like basically saying that Will's on the basketball teams to get the booster excited to give them more money. That is absolutely a thing that happens in real life. Um, but it's also like it's very limited to private schools. So like technically in at least in California, TL, you can tell me if it's different in Florida. Mm. You if you're a public school, you can't like recruit people from other school districts. You go to school where your address is, right? And people will work the system by being like, oh well, my aunt lives here, and all you have mm. to really do is prove show an electric bill proving someone lives there and you can go. But private schools can recruit anyone they want and offer them scholarships. And that's typically what'll happen is the best athletes will get recruited by like prep academies everywhere well, and they will play with, for like, those Mighty academies. Ducks, like the third one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which that is definitely the thing that happens here as well. Um Matt's absolutely correct. Uh when it comes to actually like School schools, if you are going to a public school, yeah, you can't really recruit. But a lot of these great players end up going to private schools because they are recruited. Like LeBron James very famously went to St. Mary's St. Vincent, which is a private school in uh, Columbus, Ohio, which is not Columbus, but Cleveland, Ohio. But he's originally from Akron, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's there's like always a there's always like a, a mini recruitment. It doesn't it's not as big in football. The only big thing that I know that happened with football is I'm from Jacksonville and I went to school in Auburn, but I actually came back during the courtship of of Tim Tebow. And because Tim Tebow was a um he was a um a homeschooled athlete, he actually was able to get them to redefine what his actual school that he would be able right. to play in. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, so he was supposed to go to, like, I believe it was Ed White High School here in Jacksonville and then was able to change that to go to the Nice because he, uh, how his parents were able to kind of mess over the system. So mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. it is in the best way, because the best thing you, you want to do if you're an athlete is to find the best Find the biggest school with the most notoriety. That way, you'll get into a college, or you'll be able to get into the pros, right? Yeah, um, but it, it's big- a little unfair. It's if you're not an elite player, because what ends up happening is they all end up at an early age, like congregating at these very select few schools, and so that like if you are if you are not that elite, but are going to a public school, you'll never even get like recruiter eyes on you because they're not checking out those public schools they're just going to like those games for like the big schools that's why it's so rare for like so like a local school in la area that was very rare because it was good public school was like long beach poly like long beach Mm -hmm. poly is like a storied football program but it's so unusual because they're a public school like it's it's really unusual for a public school to be able to compete and have like top tier athletes come out of it it typically is private schools like like in the show bel air academy that will kind of recruit all those people yeah i I think of my cousin um patrick white uh played at west virginia when he was in his senior year he did not get he only got recruiters to look at him because he went to a camp and it's what a lot of people do when they yeah, don't get that's to what i did to, in yeah, high school i would book. go to football camps at like ucla yeah. and i went to unlv and stuff yeah like that. he went to uh camp at, camp at troy university and as a quarterback he outlifted every other player there not every other quarterback every other player uh yep. which turned heads and he was recruited by by two schools uh two big schools he was recruited by nick saban was when nick saban was at lsu 
which made sense because Jamarcus Russell, he had recruited the year before, and he was a year above us. And then he was recruited by Rich Rodriguez at West Virginia. He was not recruited by the Republican senator, a Republican uh, nominee for the state of Alabama, Tommy Tuberville, because he's an idiot and yeah. does not does not represent uh, uh, Alabama. And then the other person was um, the Alabama who was run at the time by. Um, uh, uh, Don Mike Shula, Don Shula's son, yeah, who were who actually uh, recruited John Parker Wilson because he went to a private school in uh, Alabama called Bulls High School. They actually had a show on MTV. Uh, so, like Matt said, like if you're not at a at a private school for a public school, it really is a lot for our teams to actually look at that. And the the upside of this is Pat became the first quarterback to win four bowl games in NCAA history. And, and, but that's one of the jokes of this episode is, is so the premise is the team is so terrible because they are all just like ultra wealthy, like wimps basically. Right. And so Will is the savior, you know, because he's, he grew up, you know, in the streets of Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground. Anyway, so he, he's really good at basketball. But in real life, what would happen is, no, no, Bel Air Academy would just like recruit a bunch of amazing athletes and be super competitive. Like that's right. how it actually works. Mm-hmm. So. Like, the, so there is like the scene where we see um, we see how badly they play. Like they yeah. have a lot of heart, but as, as Anviv says, but they don't win that many games. So yeah. Will uh, is recruited to the team. Uh, Jazz is not. Um, so Will is trying to teach. Uh, no, Carlton is trying to teach Will the team's playbook, and which quickly devolves into an insult fight over a chalkboard that leads to keep away from Carlton with yep. Hillary and Ashley. Hillary's little bit of joy of joining the game. I just of keep away is so adorable. Like I love it's when she so, gets to yeah. act like a kid. Like that's it's so non-hill. Like she's yeah. just very like I'm gonna be a kid actually that's one of my favorite scenes in the show because you like again like the chemistry that uh, phil uh, uncle phil and Aunt viv have the kids just have this great natural chemistry as brothers and sisters and then will being their cousin but it also kind of reveals this other side of carlton so this is i think you guys have pointed out another episode or other season one shows this is before carl the carlton character has really cemented you know he's mm-hmm. still kind of you can tell alfonso uh ribeiro is still kind of finding out who carlton is and so he doesn't he doesn't talk like Carlton normally talks with like, you know, the Carlton voice and all that stuff. He, he, he's Mm. at times he's just very vulnerable. Uh, It's it's a totally different Carlton than you're used to probably used to seeing from like later episodes. Um, And, and that his basically kind of bitterness and jealousy against Will plays a huge part of this main, the a plot of this story. Like that's really what this is about. And it's something we've all gone through probably with either our friends or like even cousins growing up is like there are times where like you think you might be good at something or whatever and then you just have a friend who's naturally amazing at it who might start to steal some of the spotlight. And that's that's basically what this episode's about is like Carlton learning to deal with Phil getting some of the spotlight when he's not, you know, Carlton's used to excelling at everything, um, especially in that household where like, it's like the focus is clearly on things like academics where typically Will's in trouble. Like this is the thing that, that Will gets to shine on. And I think it's, um, yeah, it, it starts to manifest early in the episode with that, with that game of keep away. It's just like, oh yeah, Carlton can't keep up. 
basically yeah. with, with the stuff. Well, and I love uh, Jeffrey tackling Will to the, get the chalk back. Yeah. Um, I love whenever Jeffrey's visage cracks and he gets dangerous in, in terms of like, because he, uh, he, he we've talked about it before about Jeffrey's secret life, but I yes. think he grew they up totally a little bit to hard. That. Yeah, yeah. I think he grew up hard too, so he knows how to fight. There, there's several rep- references in this episode of kind of, yeah, he grew up on with a gambling background like <laughs> him and jazz like start talking about gambling on snooker like that yeah. version of pool right where it's just, yeah. and, and you could tell um jeffrey is basically like pool sharking uh, <laughs> uh jazz it's amazing <laughs> I just love that, yeah. Like, because it comes up later that he, um, like, we we get lots of random background tidbits of what Jeffrey has done in the past. Like, yeah. he used to be the sparring butler for Chuck Norris. He was a butler, a touring butler for Led Zeppelin. Um, he used to be a long distance Olympic level runner. Uh, marathon runner at some point and yeah like he was the shame of a nation um if you look it up it's really really hilarious it mm. doesn't come up for a while but yeah i just love jeffrey um but we come to the episode or the part of the episode where vivian is encouraging philip to support will's basketball as like vivian has noticed that phil tends to single out will when troubles around the kids yeah. happens so like uh and i think it's sweet and i love how vivian is always encouraging phil to see the better side of will because I, I think will is a cool kid like um when when phil gets to act like a dad it's some of my favorite parts of the show and i love seeing him uh, there's he goes to will's game and he lifts will in the air when the team wins and i just love that yeah. like it's so cute because like how many positive role models did will have as a kid that were male like it's such a cool thing like and i can send i know that carlton is jealous of it but i'm like how many like will has never had this happen to him where a guy has supported him in such a way so it's just like it's just so cute i just like it of course he would that's junkyard dog from hulk hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon <laughs> show man he's a good guy it's Shredder, actually, from <laughs> Ninja Turtles. I forgot to point out, yeah, so the, one of the reasons Phil can go to the games, this is pre-Judge Phil. He's, he's still just a partner at the law firm at this yeah, point in the become, show. He doesn't become a judge for four seasons, which was wild to me, because I was like, I thought he was a judge a lot longer. And I then, thought the whole show he was, yeah. And yeah, like ha- having like kind of read more into the, the show, it's like, no, yeah, he's he's just a lawyer for the longest time. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, a partner. I mean, he's he's like one of the heads of his firm, which explains how he's able to live in Bel Air. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. And as you guys mentioned, this is one of the first episodes where we see the sibling rivalry between Carlton and Will. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe it's because I am the oldest in my family, but I was a little annoyed by Carlton's reactions here, even though Will was, even though Will was showboating. Um, I think, again, like as we mentioned, his resentment had to do with Philip being nice to Will rather than his usual annoyance. Because like we've yeah. seen in the past, in a few past episodes that um, Phil and Carlton often team up with their disdain for Will. And yeah, like I think, and the fact that Carlton is the only boy in that family, I think he feels that his position is being usurped. Because we see yeah. in later episodes similar types of uh, encounters between um, between Car- uh, Hillary and Ashley, and so it's like it, it's really cute. I like as a sibling, I like that idea of like them realistically portraying a rivalry. Yeah, no, that's very true, and 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 it's um, 
I love kind of by the end of the episode, like Carlton is, is kind of complaining, like you're giving him all this attention. And then Phil kind of has to check Carlton. He's like, well, no, I, I show up to these things for you and all of these things. Like this is the one time where I get to do this for Will. And not only do you have to give me that as his surrogate father, you have to give Will that, you know, and, right. and it's it becomes at first you think the episode is 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 going to be a lesson and it is a lesson for uh, with for Will about like, hey, don't be a ball hog. You know, you got to play on a team and all this stuff. But really what it becomes, you know, the, the, the bigger lesson I think that hits home is like, yeah, you, you know, sometimes you do have to take a step back and let someone else get that spotlight because maybe that's what they need. And I found it really interesting when Uncle Phil's having that talk. It's one of the few times he like actually refers to Will's mom and the fact that she's 3,000 miles away. Because it's like, we know that. That's the premise of the show. But I always felt like very rarely do they talk about that actively, right? And so they straight up say like, yeah, his mom's 3,000 miles away. Sometimes we might have to give him some extra attention because he needs it because he's away from his his family like his core family you know we're we're his aunt and uncle so yeah i thought that was that was really touching and really realistic too because that's exactly what a kid would need if they were away from their parents um mm. and and yeah i mean sadly i, I mean tl you can speak to this obviously a lot of the time that does happen in the united states to a lot of a lot of people of color where they have to like grow up with a grandparent versus their mm. parents and stuff yeah. like that right or or just not be around their parent um I I moved um, after my junior in high school uh, to stay with my aunt and uncle as my dad was like transitioning out of move, of retiring out of the military and my parents living my mom and my stepdad living here in Florida, so like I had to move and it's a completely like it's a completely different thing to be this age. So I would have been Will's age, go, starting you know high school in a high school you don't know with family that you you really haven't been around a lot um and it can definitely be uh, frustrating and i know it may have been so i'm i'm a little bit more i'm a little bit more forgiving for carlton because i understand the dynamic because i did come into a house where my cousin she was an only child and then all of a sudden there is a new what's it called there's a new uh child there's like someone new that's in there that is uh you know <coughs> taking up that time yeah, they're they're taking up the attention and time for sure, for sure. Yeah, that that that's a big part of it. Is I mean, but luckily Carlton comes from this this family of the three kids already, right? And so, but yeah, it's it's amazing that he has to learn that lesson of how do I how do I step aside, let Will shine a little bit, um, because as you rightly pointed out, Sonia, like. Yeah, sometimes I don't like it when the show does that of like Uncle Phil and Carlton would almost team up on Will. And it's like, that's not really realistic because like as a parent or a surrogate parent, that would be like abusive. Like you would never yeah. like team up against a kid with another kid. Like, you know. Well, and I like the, um, I just realized too, because we, we recorded um, the episode about Thanksgiving before this one. And um, when once you find out a little bit more about Will's mother, you find out that she was working all the time. And that Will probably, this was the first time that maybe somebody did come to his games or did support him at school. Like, his mother was there, but, like, maybe she couldn't physically be there, too, when, like, he was back in Philadelphia. And so it's, like, really sweet to see, like, this inner life about how Will is is able to thrive with the attention he gets from Vivian and Phil in here. And it's just really cute because, like, that first game, even though he is showboating, 
the he is reveling or like he is just adoring the attention he's getting from from phil spe- specifically and i'm just like it's this really sweet to me i just love yeah. it yeah well it's funny um while he's doing the showboating though it brings up another theme of the show that uh, it rears its ugly head but um so this this you know when i watched this to to prepare for this it was, it was a little while ago it was right after the last dance aired which was that michael jordan <laughs> documentary um and that is a great example of like a, how how having one superstar player can completely alter a team dynamic and can become very toxic at times and it's funny that the guest star of this episode is one of the main subjects of The Last Dance in Isaiah Thomas, who is basically <laughs> Michael Jordan's nemesis slash foil for, for a few seasons in the NBA. One of your favorite people? Isaiah I hate Thomas? Isaiah. I hate <laughs> Isaiah as a Laker fan. Yeah, he because he was also like one of Magic's rivals. Um, and so I, I grew up loathing Isaiah. So I have no sympathy, especially when like Save the Last, or not Save the Last Dance, sorry, that's like a movie. <laughs> the last, when, the last in, dance, in yeah. Last Dance, um, where they're talking about how Jordan blackballed Isaiah, I'm like, good. Because Isaiah completely iced Jordan out at an all-star game a few years prior and is is known to be kind of a rude guy. So forget it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, because I know so nothing short, about though. pro basketball. So, so, yeah, the whole bit with the shoe commercially, you guys will have to talk about. Yeah, so. Uh, well, Isaiah, but, so Isaiah very famously is the, he's probably the second best short point guard to play basketball i am not old enough to see the high, the heyday of isaiah so i always defer that to other people to me the the, the best basketball player i've ever seen is alan iverson alan iverson is shorter than you sonia like he is a he's 510 right uh, yeah i'm 510 yeah no i think he's 58 actually oh, oh my gosh yeah alan iverson is a short guy uh but alan iverson but he can shoot Dude, he can shoot from dude, anywhere on the floor. <laughs> he can shoot. He can kill you off the dribble. He's so great. Isaiah is the same thing. Isaiah is just such a great basketball player. Yeah. Um, but he was also a jerk on a team of jerks. Like, <laughs> there's only yeah. one good person on that team that was Joe Dumars. That's the only good guy. Yeah. That well, was and ironically enough, a big part of those teams, it was Dennis Rodman before he joined the Bulls, right? It, it yes. was it, that team. So the teams Isaiah led were. They were known as the bullies of the league. Like their whole thing, they had like guys like Bill Beer. I was talking earlier about like being an enforcer. So what Detroit was known for was like a hard-nosed style of basketball. Like we will foul you so you can't get shots off. We will hurt you. Um, you will not enjoy playing against us. And they dominated for a couple years and won some championships until Michael Jordan came along with the Bulls and had a bit more of a finesse game. And, and how does the story exactly go where basically they won and then Detroit just walked off the court right like refused yes. to shake their hands in in the eastern finals this wasn't even the nba finals because they would have gone head to head in the eastern conference finals right yeah yeah so yeah they were playing in the eastern conference finals um and the big the bulls so there's contention this because the bulls maintain that it was a uh to quote the the hit documentary last dance <laughs> a, a a bitch move to get off get to walk off the uh court while you know the the game had ended, uh, what the Pistons had maintained were two things. One, they had played the game in Chicago. They didn't want like where the benches were. They didn't want it to be difficult for them to get out with everyone celebrating on the court. Uh, and then two, they stated that the uh, that Boston had did it to them before, previously. So that's the reason why they did it. But when you looked at it, the reason why Boston did it was Boston did it in Detroit and. 
just like with them, it was it's a farther way to get off of that court in Detroit on the visitor side than it is if you're the winner. So of course they got off the court for them. Like it's a it's a thing that they should have just they should have just what you call it. They should have just um, you know shook their hands and maybe they wouldn't have been as awful to them. It was very on brand for their reputation too, though. So they're they're always fighting that perception. Like, yeah, of course they wouldn't have shaken their opponent's hands because those guys are dicks. Yeah. And do you want to shake Bill Lambeer's hand anyway? No, you don't. No. no. He's I really he's don't. actually the worst basketball player. I mean, he's worse yeah. than in terms of talent, or worse as as a person. Yes. Yeah. Both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I didn't have that. Uh, Bill Lambeer is actually a tremendous. He's a tremendous power forward in that era. He could not play power forward now because he would foul out of every game, but he was yeah. legitimately There's no hand-checking allowed. Yeah, but he also has one of the funniest basketball game uh, video games ever created with Bill Lambeer Combat Basketball, so there is that. Like that, that's, that should tell you how he played, Sonia. The fact that his licensed basketball game had combat in the title. Basketball <laughs> is a contact sport. It is not a combat sport. <laughs> so. Yeah. Although oh, Will but- might make you think it was by getting away with some of the stuff he does get away with in this episode. <laughs> oh, but I like the little bit of writing in this episode where um, Phil and Will are talking and Carlton's listening in. And Phil talks about making the winning basketball, winning the, doing the winning goal for his basketball game. And we see later at the end of the episode, Carlton attempts to emulate it to be just like his father. Which fails spectacularly. Like it doesn't even uh, hit the rim. It doesn't even hit the board. It, like, it's an air ball. To- yeah, he yeah, shoots an it air goes ball. Far. Yeah, like I was just like, like because that gym was tiny. I was like, I could have made that shot. Basically. Yeah, I was gonna point that out. Like, <laughs> so they had to make that gym small for filming. But there is no way Bel Air Academy had that kind of gym. Like that gym would have been huge with better bleachers and <laughs> i feel like we've seen that gym recorded in so many tv shows though like it's just like a very it was a, it's a set not a real gym like you would not want to film anything in a real gym with all the squeaking and noises and, and the echoes yeah, and stuff like the that echoes would be terrible yeah, it'd be terrible oh but it, uh, one of the things i did like of this episode that i wish we had more of was jazz and jeffrey as we mentioned before yes. having their interactions like they seem like they're on two opposite ends of the spectrum but they when they snark at each other it's really really funny to me and the fact that they're both obsessed with gambling it's just like oh my god and the plan to scam jazz is amazing to me i'm just like yeah. oh my god well because <laughs> like, jeffrey ultimately like jazz always tries to come off as like this streetwise person you know and it's very clear like nah jeffrey has has him conned dude it's just like <laughs> <laughs> he's like i don't know anything about snooker yes. i yeah. can teach you <laughs> yes so cute oh yeah. man but yeah the, the the episode uh gets to the final game where um will and carlton fight over the ball which was pretty shocking to me because i'm like it just like because like it, it it was basically the the end of a league of their own where uh dotty like gets knocked over by kit and like there's a fight over the ball sort of thing and it's really 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 hard like it makes my heart hurt because i have a sibling so now i'm just like oh this episode terrible i just said but yeah yep. i don't know anything about basketball so i'm like yeah. i don't know how they suddenly it's... got to over 20 points so i'm just like <laughs> oh over 20 points if they hopefully they're able to shoot that's how they get over 20 points 
Um, if a basketball game is not, it was, especially with four periods, well, high school kind of, but if a basketball game is not at least at 60 points at the end, uh, yeah, no, not, high, high school it, games can get up to 60. It, pro basketball is regularly crosses 100 points each side. And so that was, that uh, is yeah. weird. Oh well, it's a, you, you get two points at a time or three points for a three-point shot, and yes. and it's very fast game. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think people like it compared to even football or games like soccer is like if you are into scoring, as an American, Americans love scoring, basketball is the sport to watch because there's a lot more scoring than any other sport. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, um, so – but they basically – so for people who don't know, I actually used to coach basketball. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I did it for a um, for a junior college uh, with so the suit and everything. Like not with the suit, I was an assistant. <laughs> I was a, I was a, I was a student coach. So uh, we had a coach who had a suit. Uh, wasn't a great coach, by the way. One of the worst coaches of all time. Um, but they're basically running a uh, running a motion offense, which is um, a lot of guard uh, guard as a, as the word says motion. Um, where you kind of do like a lot of pass off, it goes from top of the key and you're running off screens. Uh, what Carlson basically does is as Will's running off the screen, he just goes in the front of Will and then just chucks it. Um, if I was the coach, Carlson would have been cut right then and there. Like that is one of the dumbest moves ever. <laughs> yeah, that coach, by the way, super character actor. I've seen that guy in so many different things. Like he, he, like if you were to picture like a burnout high school coach who doesn't care anymore about the team, like yeah, <laughs> he would be who you'd think of. Uh, well, let's see what else he's been in. Talk amongst yourselves, little mm-hmm. coach Smiley. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. his, his name is like uh, we're gonna see him later this season too. He is the. Um, he the is, uh, yeah, no, he is the black history teacher later this yes. season. <laughs> so, I mean, when uh, I think of black history, I think of Smiley. <laughs> I uh, want to see what else he's been in. Hold on, let me see. I'm maybe Norman Smiley from WCW, <laughs> wrestler extraordinaire. And now, isn't he a trainer at, for he NXT? Is a, he is one of the head trainers over at NXT, him, Sarah Motto, and Matt Bourne. Mm. He was in Priest? What? Let's see. Hold on. I was Dave Florek is his name. Dave, Dave Florek. Yeah, he was in Ghostbusters too. He played William Stryker in X Men Origins Wolverine, the video uh, game. Yeah. Okay, in the video game, I was gonna yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> what else has he been in? Uh, Hidalgo. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, NCIS. Um, the the one with uh, Robin from Batman Forever. Uh, mm. <laughs> what, what is his name? I don't know. Grey's Anatomy, Vegas, Henry's Law, Castle, Fear 3 as a voice actor, uh, Bones, uh, what else? CSI. I'm trying to go back to the 90s. Hold on, let's go back to the 90s. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. his heyday. Yeah. He has a lot of one off episode things because he's very much character actor. Um, let's see. 227. He was Columbo. Mr. Chopsaw on Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. I have no <laughs> idea what that show is. That's a show for people who are younger than me and Sonia. <laughs> Wings, Married with Children, uh, MacGyver. Uh, what else? Uh, I think he, Wings, he might have been a recurring character. And that's what I. Oh, Grace Seinfeld. Under Fire. That's yeah. the one I recognize him from Grace Under Fire, which is. TV show no one should remember, starring <laughs> Brett Butler. Is that Butler. the one with Della Reese? No, that's that... the one with Brett Butler. Okay, what's the one with Della Reese? Is that great? It's, it's the 
The church, touched by an angel. Touched by an angel. Touched by an angel. Yes. He was also on Silk Stockings, which I probably watched, thinking it was sexier than it probably was going to be. So probably. If you you watch Monday Night Raw, you watch Silk Stockings (laughs) and La Femme Nikita, and what was there's there's another one. Uh, Pacific Blue. (laughs) Pacific Blue. I was about to call it Pacific Rim. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) Was Pacific Blue the one where the cops rode bikes around with Mario Lopez? That was terrible. (laughs) It's so terrible. (laughs) All the shows you would watch because Raw was over with it. You're just like, I guess I'm just going to watch USA. Is this, and sometimes is, the re- the wrestlers were on there, too. Like, I think, uh, who who was on Pacific Blue that was a wrestler? Let me see. I don't know, but I feel like that should be a Patreon goal. If we get our Patreon <laughs> high enough, me and Sonya, we'll get that in. We will watch wrestlers on television shows because there's some Thunder in Paradise that needs to be watched. Uh, mm-hmm. There's oh, a, I thought you were talking about like Stone Cold's recurring character in that one Don Johnson show. Uh, oh, I mean, I was going to say uh, Baywatch with because there's that Baywatch episode with all the wrestlers as well. Well, yeah. uh, guest stars on Pacific Blue were uh, Sable, China, okay. Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. I think Shawn Michaels played a villain in that in in Pacific Blue, didn't he? Yeah, I like, mean, it's, it's the '90s and Shawn Michaels. He was already just a villain. Period. <laughs> I mean, he had lost his smile. So. Yeah. Lost his smile. Mm. Oh, don't don't even joke about that. When that happened, I cried. <laughs> You're the Canadian. So okay, so I, I hate this has become the wrestling show, but you know we three love wrestling. Um, so I the weird thing that's been going on now is like there's been like this super like it's like the Brett and Sean factions have come up again out of nowhere, but now yeah. it's the inverse. I'm seeing a lot more Americans who are like. Oh yeah, fuck Shawn Michaels. I love <laughs> Bret Hart. Like uh, uh, Dax Hardwood, uh, formerly Dash uh, Wild from uh, the hit tag team uh, The Revival. Now they are FTR. Like he was like, oh, it's Shawn Michaels' birthday. Anyway, Bret Hart's the greatest wrestler of all time. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like where is this coming from? But like, I I don't I don't know. I'm still I'm still at Camp Shawn Michaels. Like he sucks shit. I know, but like. I He's love grown Michaels. up. It's, yes. it's hard to argue, though, that Brett isn't one of the greatest ever because in yes. addition, he he always did what they asked him to, like other than dropping the belt in Montreal, which is why we had the screw job, the, the uh-huh. screw job. Like, but he never hurt anybody, which I mean, that's a huge thing in wrestling. He was like one of the safest workers of all time. And uh-huh. then go back and watch those matches. He was like five to ten years ahead style wise of what anybody else was doing at the time and even owen uh rest in peace look at owen he's doing stuff that he brought up from like lucha wrestlers in mexico that like no one in the wwf could hang at the time or, it was insane dude yeah, yeah. Orn Hart, if Orn Hart doesn't pass he's the greatest wrestler to ever like lace up boots like i i that's not I, even I don't, like a sh- i i agree but i also don't think he would have been like a like the biggest star like he's very much um Owen was a great foil. He was a great like supporting character for people to work off of. And like he's the guy that like when you go back and watch matches, you're like, oh my god, that guy's doing all the work, but he's not taking all the credit for it. You know what I'm I saying? Think he like, probably would have had a similar career to Daniel Bryan. I would hope. Like I, you know, like he's talented, and he would find his niche, yeah. and I, he become successful. I would think. I think. I think if he because he lives another year, we get him and Chris Jericho. And oh, I think that would have been the thing that would have pushed him over the top. Like, even to the point where they might have even done the thing that they do in Japan where they make a junior title and mm-hmm. just say, this is yours. Like, not even the light heavyweight. This is yours. It is your junior title. You run this now. I think yeah. that's I think that's what would have happened. 
Man, wait, what a depressing note to leave this episode on. Just, like, just, oh, just pass the bell. Just pa- yeah, I don't know just how we got there the, from, from Will. The the uh, no, but it's uh, it was it was a fun episode for sure, especially that dream sequence, which was like <laughs> with yeah with Will and, and Isaiah where they're playing. Basically, we forgot to mention yeah, Will like schools Isaiah, which is that's again very yeah. against Isaiah's character at the time because Isaiah was known to be sort of a dick, and so I'm like, how is he okay with some actor like bawling all over him on this show? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, he was paid to be that way. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to ask you guys: Why are shoes such a big thing in the NBA? Because like, shoes uh, are <laughs> ah finally my time to shine. Yes, uh, please. Basketball please. shoes are just it's it's culture, it's fashion. I don't it it's so hard to explain, it's so hard to quantify, but it's just so much. A good pair of shoes is just it. So shoes and just like a culture and by culture anyway are really, really great. Like dress shoes, uh, your Stacey Adams, like your your shoes, like these like these great shoes that look great and then basketball shoes had that same kind of design now before jordan so jordan is kind of the era of the basketball shoe before jordan everybody used to use converse and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but they were not really designed they were like they're just like high school basketball shoes like when you play any sport you get like your standard sports stuff they're just high school basketball shoes until jordan went with nike and nike made the bold choice of just like hey we're going to get actual people to design your shoes and that's when they became a bigger thing because basketball shoes became a thing of being a mixture of of high fashion and also you know sportswear which like matt said earlier like that became that was fashion at the time it's yeah there's a barrier it's, it's fashion it's tied to the rap scene too and the fact yeah. that like um it was a sign of, of of wealth a lot like getting certain shoes that were like super expensive like jordans were the first shoes i remember like tennis shoes costing over a hundred dollars so yeah. so the short answer to your question sonia is marketing that's yeah. the deal with basketball shoes because it really is. It's putting, it's putting value in a product that, on its own merits, it's a quality product, but it should not carry the value that it does. And the reason it does is because it was attached to the Michael Jordan's name, mm-hmm. uh, and it was marketing, and it was a status symbol. And then they even played on that with with um, scarcity. Like it was tough to get, and still is, right? To like it's tough to get new. Jordans, I, like they, they I, have limited runs of certain models and stuff. I hate the sneakers app. Yes. I hate it so much. That's what all marketing. Like, it's all it's all artificial scarcity. They 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 build up hype by getting it's the Nintendo thing, right? Which is like well no, Ninten- it's even worse than Nintendo. So Well so I have you, so for yeah. Nintendo really quick. I don't think yeah. that's them doing it to be scarcity. I think that's them being conservative and not realizing how popular stuff is and just not having yeah. enough enough units mm-hmm. made of things to to fulfill orders. But anyway. But, yeah, but, no, Nike is definitely that's different. So, Sonia, do you know how how we in the year twenty twenty actually get good shoes, like good, like good limited run shoes? How you're supposed to actually get them? No. So there is an app that's called Sneakers, S N K R S, and what you do is you go into the Sneakers app and you basically get a raffle ticket, so you can raffle to buy the shoes. Yeah. You don't get the shoes for free. You raffle to be able to buy the shoes. But that's free, right? You don't have to put any deposit to get free. your raffle number? That is, okay. that is correct. However, uh, people are actually putting in bots yeah. so that they can get as many raffle it, tickets It's a as lot possible. like the Ticketmaster scam, where basically yeah. like people, uh, ticket uh, resellers have ruined the market because they flood it with bots, and then those bots, they sell it at even more inflated prices. And unfortunately, the sneaker companies 
won't do anything to crack down on on this stuff. You know, yeah, it's, it's, and it sucks because like sites like Stock X will show will sell a one hundred ninety dollars shoe for five hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and like that's the only way you can get that shoe. It sucks. Ugh, <laughs> I hate it. So yeah, there's a little there's a little bit of co- shoes are, are there's a little bit of much a bunch of things going on. There's a little bit of collector culture involved too because there are some people who buy shoes and never wear those shoes they're just like yeah i got a pair of those in my closet somewhere there's a little bit of the the celebrity endorsement culture going on there's a lot of marketing there's a little bit back in the day of like i'm going to play better because i have these shoes with a pump in them that's going to provide extra cushioning so that i I can jump higher and yeah (laughs) that is not how physics works everyone but <laughs> it's fine you bought into it i get it i did too at the time so yeah that that's the whole shoe thing is is it's um yeah it's it, but it, but it became just in, it's part of basketball like before before jordan shoes were a thing for sure but not i mean that is now those are those two things are inextricably linked like professional mm-hmm. basketball and sneakers like you one cannot exist almost without the other. Maybe I'm well, maybe I'm say, exaggerating that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you say Jordans, and you know you're talking about shoes. Well, like, Jordans is still I- the best-selling shoe in today's market. Current year Jordans. It's not like a historical figure. Current model Jordans outsell the next sponsored model by like magnitudes. Yeah. Of but current I mean, stars today, like LeBron shoes, yeah. they're not selling like Jordans. Yeah, but where where it's Kind of because like Jordan sell Jordan sell really well. I mean, don't get me wrong, but a lot of those Jordans like it is very specific Jordans. Like I, I think the Jordan this year Jordan thirty threes dropped, and there's been it, the problem with like shoe culture is like the designs can get really just like uh, it depends and like so like last last couple of Jordans have never been like really high. Right now, where the big market is are retro shoes and retro mm. designs. Yeah, uh, big thing right now is. Always, there's always a market for Jordan ones because one, the the most gorgeous shoe, ever, um, and two, like, it's just the thing that's very easier for everyone to kind of uh, pull. But you have um, Air Force Ones are very big. Um, you have Air Max days, so Air Maxes are really good. Like, there are specific shoes that kind of push each each boundaries. But Jordan, Matt's right. Jordan is the most well known like athlete one. I think LeBron's are close. Uh, but like it's it's like close in like a river like two sides of a river are close right like it's mm. it's still like a ways away um, and jo- I think Kobe Kobe and Al- the AIs for a minute were as hot as Jordan's because I had those AI threes yeah I mean um, the Kobe's though I, that that was one of yeah that what, what was is, bad that they, was they bad never sell they never sold well and part of it was related to the the Colorado incident unfortunately unfortunately well, that, like. Yeah, that and they were they were Adidas shoes. They were not Nikes, and yeah. like that's that's also another thing into it. Yeah, yeah. So shoes are shoes are just a big part of, of uh, basketball culture, and yeah, it's not going away anytime soon. It's just getting it's just getting more annoying because it, yeah, it's more expensive and more. Uh, it's just harder to get the stuff. You know? Well, like I said, I'm scared. I, I tell people all the time, I don't mind paying one hundred and twenty dollars or one hundred fifty dollars for shoes. Uh, one because a good pair of shoes. So this other thing is like because they're Jordans, like a good pair of shoes are actually really good. They don't break down very easily. I have friends, Dylan, who buy twenty dollars shoes. Oh, I'll just go buy twenty dollars shoes. Like how many times are you gonna buy twenty dollars shoes every year? 
Like, I buy these Jordans. I had these Jordans before I went and shot my movie, and they're still good. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Spend well, it's like money the, on your shoes. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll buy, like, a pair of boots. Not cowboy boots. Like, you know, like, like boot like leather boots like men's dress boots for like 250 dollars but those will last me 10 years like that is so cheap you know and so well that's what we do in canada um a sorel costs like a sorel is like a winter boot and like they cost like 200 dollars but they last for like about 20 years right uh yeah so like or we will pay uh 300 dollars for specially made mucklucks and like they last for like generations if you take care of them and Mm -hmm. yeah like it's just like it's a shoe thing yeah like pay more (laughs) yeah you pay for quality for sure for sure uh it, so yeah, so we get to the, the ending of the episode, and yeah, Carlson, like you said, Matt, he has had that conversation of just like, hey, you know, Will's mom's not here, and we have to be there for Will, and I think that's very important. I think that's important for Carlson as a character. I, I, I don't. I think you're right. We get to these later episodes where they kind of have like a, a different dynamic, and it's more of a brother dynamic. Uh, but I do think episodes like this are very important because it helps get to that part where we can have them as a brother dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this this it, this is just a different brother dynamic, which is the the sibling rivalry. Like it's right. it's that's a common part of being someone's brother is is you you compete and and I think you know part of what they're learning about each other because it's still early in is like well here's the stuff Carlton's good at that Will will never be good at and here's the stuff Will would be better at than than Carlton and and learning learning to accept that and live with that. I I remember growing up with my brother like that's a hard hard part uh, you know especially when it's something that there's like nothing you can do about like my brother did not play sports but was super fast just naturally super fast like way faster than me and it used to frustrate me to no end because here i am practicing every day football basketball whatever i'm playing and meanwhile just in a foot race he could smoke me anytime and there's like i'm like how are you doing this you know but it's something that you eventually you just come to come to learn and be like well, I'm really happy that they have that thing. Like that's great. That's his thing. You know that my, mm-hmm. my thing is is hitting people really hard on the football field. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, this has been this episode of Live from the Pool House. What an anticlimactic ending. What a terrible job I did. That's why we house. edit. You can edit it out. <laughs> I know, but I like to show. I like to let people know that I'm not good at this. Uh, but you know who <laughs> is good at what he does. Uh, Mr. Matthew Allen. So, Matt, this is your time to promote all the stuff that you do, my good friend. I don't do that much, but the stuff I do, I, I love doing. So, yeah, uh, every Friday, I am a co-host of Video Game Apocalypse, the Laser Time Network's video game-centric show. Every week, we do a top five based around a random silly theme, typically tied into one of that week's new release games. Uh, and then we break down uh, all that week's new releases as well as news. Um, so check us out at videogameapocalypse.com. And then check me out personally. Um, I there's two places so you can follow me on Twitter at Maddie C. Allen and primarily you're following there for really bad jokes or maybe occasionally views on on video games um but that's also where you can get notifications when i'm about to stream on twitch i am also maddie c allen that's m-a-t-t-y-c-a-l-l-e-n i stream a little bit of everything uh i've been playing a lot of yakuza games lately um i've most recently i've been streaming a game tl turned me on to which is called crosscode which is amazing a kind of a retro action rpg with a really cool premise so yeah i go over there i just have fun talking to fans and um yeah check me out maddie c allen uh sonia our famed comic-con <laughs> host uh is there anything you should like to promote 
Maybe um, your appearance on Comic Con. Yeah. Well, I uh, so San Diego Comic Con was uh, this past weekend. Uh, it was online because of COVID. Can you call and it so, San Diego Comic Con? Now it's just Comic Con. <laughs> it's Internet yeah. Comic Con, right? Comic Con at home was what it was called. And so I had a, uh, I was on a panel, a Latinx and Native American storytellers. Um, it was pretty cool. Check it out. I think it's still on YouTube. I am at honey underscore child on twitter uh i am uh hoping to get back into twitch i twitch at um entity boudoir where i mostly play dead by daylight with my friend chrissy and our friend sage uh i want to start uh twitch streaming uh me playing bloodborne uh but it'll be embarrassing and i only play bloodborne because i like the the lore of the of the story and the look of the game (laughs) and i'm terrible at it but yeah like, I want to start playing it again and yeah like just follow me on Twitter for fun nerd uh, topics yeah uh, you can find me at uh, Travis L. Foster um, I do a lot of shows I do P&B uh, I'll be doing a guest uh, a, a guest appearance on Ultra 64 I was on a D&D game yesterday which was so much fun uh, run by uh, Tony Wilson who's over at GameSpot yeah, they have like a little uh, D&D thing he does once a week. And yeah, um, I have projects that I'm working on, including that uh, 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 romance, not romance novel. That's not what I'm doing. That's what Kayla's doing. Uh, Rob Cobb that I'm writing. There we go. Uh, Tell them where you stream, TL. You also oh, stream. Oh yeah, I streamed at uh, Travis, uh, at uh, Turbo Bison. I haven't streamed in a minute though. I think I'm probably going to wait till August comes and then stream. But we are officially, as of this episode, this episode airs on August 1st. So we are on a 29-day countdown till I turn 34. So that's right, the big 3-4. And uh, it's really, uh, really weird that I'm going to be so old, so very (laughs) old. You guys don't comment on it. I will just be ancient. Don't know how I feel about it. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, for... For Matt, for Sonia, I am T.L. Foster. This has been Live from the Pool House. Don't get thrown out like jazz.